Welcome to a new episode of Time to Shine. This is your host, Oscar Santolaya. Time to Shine presents you interviews with successful public speakers who share their experience and secrets with you in a weekly podcast. Hello, how are you? Thank you for joining us today. Today we have a very special topic, a very special guest. We are going to talk about storytelling with a very special twist, the twist with the movies. And for that, we have a very special guest who has amazing views and ideas about the movies. Regan Pugh is a young speaker who has a very intriguing position. He is a raconteur for Calypso, an innovation consulting firm. Regan speaks regularly to student groups about leadership, branding, and individual ownership. He has a lot of experience in movies and theater. Hello, Regan. Welcome to the show. Hey, Oscar. How are you? I'm very good. Happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, awesome, Regan. Could you tell us a bit more about yourself? Sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's so amazing that you're having this podcast and I'm getting to talk about the thing that I like talking about the most. I think mm -hmm. five or 10 years ago, you know, people knew that stories existed and we all enjoyed them, uh, in one medium or another, whether it be movies or reading them or telling them, but there really wasn't a conversation around the power of stories. Joseph Campbell had written a book about it, but it really wasn't in the mainstream. And I think recently, If you go on Forbes or, or Inc.com or, or read any, any, any authors lately, they're talking about the power of storytelling. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's been fun over the course of my career, moving from a high school teacher to working in the nonprofit sector to now working with Calypso, to see stories kind of transcend all of those industries and to see their power in business and politics and in education. Uh, so... Right now, today, I kind of find myself wearing two hats. Mm -hmm. I work with Calypso as their raconteur, as their storyteller, helping our consultants uh, understand the power of stories whenever pushing our clients to make important changes. And then I also tell the story of Calypso to people who might be wanting to join the firm. And then additionally, on the side, uh, I teach a couple of college classes in leadership and personal development. And we use the power of story in those classes all the time to push our students to live a more adventurous life and to take on challenges and risks they might not have otherwise. Awesome. And since when you start going to the stage and speak? You know, uh, I grew up in the church. Mm. You know, my father's a pastor. And so that involves a lot of being on the stage, especially if you're in, in the South. And so as a kid, I would always, you know, be in plays and, and things like that at church. And then as I moved into middle school and, and high school, theater was really my interest. And so over the course of, of my high school career and, and almost into college, I lived on the stage. And I and originally was going to go to college for theater, but ended up choosing a different path. But I think that my real love of, of being on the stage and, and working with an audience came from that time of my life. Going now to, you start already talking about the storytelling, now going to the, to the movie side. What speaker, what people who are performing in public can learn from movies and also from movie makers? You know, I think that 
there's always the opportunity to create a memorable moment in any scenario, Mm -hmm. anytime you're addressing a group of people. And when we watch movies, each scene is carefully curated and meant to last in our memories. Uh, that's a good movie. You, you remember more scenes than you, than you forget because they're powerful and they, they bring people in. So when we speak, that's our job is to help the audience realize that we're all a part of something larger, that this is a really memorable moment. So what can speakers learn from the power of storytelling uh, in movies I, I think is to remember that you have to start with a story always. The most effective way to create memorable moments is to tell stories. We remember stories, we communicate with stories. Uh, there's this author named Robert McKee who wrote a book called Story. It's a huge book that talks about the, the power of storytelling and screenwriting. Uh, and he says that stories are the creative conversion of life itself into a more powerful, clearer, more meaningful experience. They are the currency of human contact. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a powerful thing to say, that stories are the way that we connect to one another. And so whenever I give you know, speeches, whether they're big ones or whether it's, it's with my friends, sometimes my friends, they'll make fun of me because I'll begin like a speech at a wedding or a <laughs> toast, and I'll say, few times in our lives, and then I'll say, you know, a few times in our lives do we get to gather with friends like this or whatever. And after a while, they're like, dude, you said that the last like 10 speeches that you gave. Uh, <laughs> but but, but the, the fact is, that's our duty as a speaker. It's to pull the curtain back and to help everyone in the room realize that there's this magic and that we all have a connection with one another. And so in movies, what we can learn as speakers is that the best speeches, they pull greatness out of people and they push them to do uncomfortable things and the right things that they need to do to be a part of a better story. Also, and could you give me now some, some examples in specific movies? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that probably any young person who calls himself a creative would, would have to love the film Dead Poet Society and, and the way that Robin Williams just guided his class uh, to believe in themselves and, and to understand the power of, of words. And so, you know, there's the, there's the scene where he's in the hallway uh, with all of the young, the young guys in his class, and they're looking at all the trophies and at all the photos from, from years past. And he gives them this speech about seizing the day, about carpe mm-hmm. diem. And so I think that that's a powerful example of great storytelling from a speaker in a movie because it connects to our basic desire to, to live forever. It connects to our basic desire to do something meaningful with our lives. Another movie that, that might be, uh, have a little bit less of a, a, a reputation in the film world, but I think any given Sunday, the football movie uh, with Al Pacino, man, there's this unbelievable speech uh, you know, it, it, where you know, this American football team is, is in the locker room in the halftime and they're losing. Mm-hmm. And he gives this talk called Inch by Inch, where he talks about the greatness inside of all of the players that they forgot about and how this one moment is a representation of the rest of their lives. And he pushes them to go back out and to do well. Uh, and then the, another one that I really thought of, and as I was thinking about this, I, this is a movie that I watched back when I was a kid from the 90s. It's called Wide Awake. And it's with Rosie O'Donnell. 
I mean, it's about a kid who, who goes to a private Catholic school, and his name is Joshua. He's experiencing this early existential crisis after the death of his grandfather. But the movie closes with him giving the speech in front of his class at the end of the school year about how after this kind of whole year of sleep, he's wide awake now. And I love moments when characters can finally push through their fears and talk about it. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, the connection between the three of those, when we talk about great storytelling in movies and how we can emulate that as speakers is that we call on things that the audience already believes, mm-hmm. whether it be dead poet society, we want to seize the day or any given Sunday, we want to have the power to do difficult things or the movie wide awake. The last one I mentioned, we got to push through our fears and everyone's going to experience hurt, but we will be okay. And I think that the best movies with the best speeches call on those common themes that we can all connect to. Well, excellent, um, excellent examples. Yes, actually, I haven't, I think I haven't watched any of these movies, but I know at least the first two I heard, of course, many, many times. And as you said correctly, the, the way how, not only because there is a speech in this, uh, like a formal speech in, in part of this movie, but it's the, the great storytelling that, that connects the, the essential human's problem and how to how to solve them by being inspired. And how important is storytelling for speakers? Is usually it's, it's said that it's a, you have to say stories. In I was thinking in movies, they always have to be a story, or there are movies without story. Yeah, this was a good question, I, and because I tried to think about okay, so. What instances have I noticed a movie that doesn't involve a compelling story? And at least all of the movies that, that I want to spend my time watching, they don't exist. I don't, <laughs> think, I, I, I don't think a movie is a movie without a compelling story. <laughs> uh, I love this, this author named Donald Miller. Uh, he has a formula where, to make storytelling really simple. And he says, a good story is about a character who wants something and is willing to overcome conflict to get it. Mm. So in his book, he has this book called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, and he opens it by asking the reader if we'd ever go see a movie about a guy who lives a regular life, who follows the rules, who saves up money, and then he wants to buy a new Volvo. And the movie closes with him buying a brand new Volvo at the car lot and driving it home. Mm. And so, you know, the author says, would we care about that movie? Would we cry? Would we talk to our friends about it? Would we want to change our lives as a result of that story? Absolutely not. Good stories and good movies, they involve conflict. Mm -hmm. Robert McKee, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, he says that in order for a story to matter, you have to put your character through hell. You have to put them through hell because that's the only way we change. So whether, I think, to answer your question, whether a movie is about like the art of storytelling or public speaking or not, a film isn't going to be worth much <laughs> if it doesn't involve a story. And when I say story, I mean a character who, go, who wants something and is willing to go through difficult things to get what they want. So the conflict is also a must for the story. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And life, right? I mean, that, that's the mm. only way that we're living a good life is if we endure conflict and push through on the other side. And so why, when we speak in front of groups of people, would we want to do anything but represent life as it really is, you know? 
Regan, and you also mentioned that, of course, there are some, there are some movies that have as, as like a speech inside, others don't have, just storytelling. But there are also thematic movies whose, whose story is about uh, public speaking. Do you know some of these movies? Can you tell us something? Absolutely. And you actually jogged my memory, Oscar, as we were trading emails prior to this call about the King's speech. Yeah. Uh, I, I hadn't watched that movie since it came out, you know, a few years ago. And mm -hmm. so I rewatched it a few weeks ago. And my goodness, I forgot how phenomenal that movie is. And I think that it's powerful as a film that specifically talks about the art of speaking because it drives home this point that King George's speech impediment that he's dealt mm -hmm. with his whole life has nothing to do with a fear of speaking. It's deeper than that. Mm. It's, it's about his family and it's about experiences he had when he was a child and beliefs that he has about his self-worth. And, and so for him to take the throne with confidence during a really trying time for England, mm. he must learn to speak, which means that he must face some of those inner demons and do the really difficult work of understanding who he is and why he's that way. And that's powerful because I think that's work that most people are afraid to do, that work on themselves. But the King's speech tells us that if you want to be the kind of speaker and storyteller and leader and person that has influence, you have to put in the hard work on yourself so you can guide your audience and your listeners to the same place. So I, there is no good speech if people don't leave with a desire to think and be or do something differently because you've also done it yourself. And I think that's why that film is so powerful. Yeah, and this is very, very powerful. And well, as you say, it's not only about um, the fear of public speaking, but his own life, right? How, how he had to change his own life, his own beliefs to, to overcome do this. And because actually speaking is what he had to do for that moment in, in, in his life and the history of his country. But he had to overcome much more, just more than just, be, just uh, speaking. And now going a bit on your, your experience, what excites you the most about being a speaker? So I think that my answer relates a lot to what we just discussed in regard to the King's speech. It, it, what excites me most about being a speaker is the ability to meet people where they are. I, so, it, it, you know, what used to excite me mm -hmm. was the feeling you get when you know that you have everyone in the room's attention, mm. when you can pause and there's this silence and you can tell that everyone is with you. Uh, but it stopped there and it didn't go any deeper than that. It's changed lately, and I think that being a teacher has caused this shift in me because as a teacher, you're certainly presenting information you know, orally, uh, and so in, in a way, it's public speaking, but there's also a greater need for you to make sure that you have understood the way that your audience learns and that you're presenting material in a way that they're going to be able to connect and interact with it. So that's really affected the way that I speak in non-educational settings. Because after a while, you know, I, we all watch TED Talks, we all watch mm -hmm. all kinds of speeches. 
And you, you know, you can tell when a speaker is there for themselves mm. and you can tell whenever they, they, they could have been speaking in front of a mirror looking at <laughs> and they would have been happy enough, you know, right, perfect. <laughs> and then you can tell whenever they're there because they have taken the time to understand their audience mm. and because they want to give the audience something that they need that they didn't have access to before. So it, you, the best speakers are the ones that draw connections between feelings and thoughts and beliefs that the audience already has. And they just figure out a way to communicate it in a way that they can connect to it in a way they never had before and go, oh, yeah, me too. I thought I was the only one. Mm-hmm. So nowadays I get most excited when in the middle of a talk, I can tell that the audience is with me. Not because mm-hmm. I'm good or engaging, but because we're together. Because... I've figured out a way to meet them where they are and they are getting exactly what they need in that moment. That is what is most exciting for me. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm sure for most of the speakers, it's really, really exciting when you, you feel that the message you are bringing, you are really, really connected and you, you feel it at the moment, right? When you are on the stage and you, in the middle of the talk, you, you notice the connection and that's, uh, What can excite you more than that? <laughs> oh, tell me about it. I mean, it's the best drug ever. It's, it's the best thing. Oh, yeah, yes. And also, Regan, could you tell me something about your experience in making videos in films? I know you had some experience. That's why you, you know a lot about this. Can you tell us a bit of that? Yeah, the, I always, you know, the, as soon as I could save up enough money to buy a, a little video camera when mm-hmm. I was in middle school, I, I did. And... It, that was a, the time in America where everyone thought that they were a really great skateboarder. Oh. Uh, and Tony Hawk, you know, was like this amazing skateboarder. And so like every kid was skateboarding and no one was any good. We were all terrible. <laughs> we would all, and we would all like, you know, we would sit, sit on the sidewalk for hours and try and do a kickflip or land a trick. And never in our lives had we ever landed one, but we would always go, ah, oh, man, can't believe I didn't land it like we had ever landed it before. And so <laughs> that, tur- that turned into this desire to, to, to make skate videos because those were cool. Mm. But then after a while, you know, we started making videos and uh, in, in short films about uh, the only other thing that uh, adolescent boys make short films about, and that's like heists and robberies mm. uh, you know, and movies with guns. Uh, but in the high school, I realized that there was this power In, in telling a story through film that uh, was different than doing it from the stage because you had control over the outcome. So for projects, for classes, instead of doing essays, I would ask if we could create a short film for the assignment. Uh, and, and, and a lasting interest in film you know, stayed with me throughout college. Uh, and some friends of mine and I, we did short film. We did have these things called 24 hour film festivals where you get together over the course of a weekend and get a topic and make a film as a part of a competition. We made a short film that we submitted to some film festivals. And then right as I graduated college, we made a feature length film, um, with some friends. And, and, and then now it Calypso, we use film to, to try and tell the story of the work that we do in a way that mm-hmm. connects with people differently than the written word. Because the, the content that we're dealing with, with these big, you know, Fortune 500 companies can sometimes be a little bland. 
Mm-hmm. So the hope is that we can use story to bring that content to life. And, and so I, I think, again, the, best, the biggest learning from that is that re, you have to realize whenever you're taking up people's time by asking them to watch a film or, or, or a commercial or, or, or a short or a little short mm-hmm. is that their time is so precious yeah. and, and the attention span is, is so short. And so you really have to check yourself on what's important. And so creating films, especially doing it with Calypso, has taught me uh, the, the importance of self-editing and really understanding mm. what's valuable for your audience versus what you believe is important and entertaining. So I think, again, to sum it all up, it always comes back to the audience. And are you serving your audience mm-hmm. correctly? So my experience making films has caused me to become a better public speaker because now I'm self-editing even more when I'm speaking in public live because I understand time is precious and consider the audience's needs before you consider uh, what you think would be funny or, or entertaining. Sure, a very interesting uh, term you use, this self-editing means that you have to first think of the audience and then make it very... Very compact, right? Very, very short uh, and flawless before you really should, right? Before you really go to the stage, before you really present it. And that's what you mean by self-editing. Excellent, uh, excellent point, definitely. Yeah, yeah the audience, is a, you know, the audience is, is a living organism, mm-hmm. whether they're watching you from a screen or whether they're watching you live, whether they're listening to you on a podcast. And to, to understand that they can shift in their tastes in the middle of a, mm, of a talk sure. uh, is so important. And to mm. be able to adapt to that and, and predict that ahead of time is key. Yeah, absolutely. Well, also another great point. Regan, can, can you tell us now what is your favorite quotation? Man, Oscar, I, have to, I thought about this for a while, but I have to say my favorite one, whether it be in the classroom, whether it be talking about stories or in the business world, continues to be this quote by Howard Thurman. He says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. I think that so often today, especially for our generation of younger people, we believe that we have this responsibility to do, 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 and be generous for other people. And that's, that's so true, and I love that compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that for us to make our real contribution – for us to really do the thing uh, that makes a difference, we have to do what makes us come alive, mm. which requires that hard king speech introspection and an understanding of who we are before we can then go and give our gift to the world. Oh, yeah. A great quotation. I could agree more with, you, with what you said. <laughs> could you now recommend us one book that has inspired you? I think it's a very good read for us. If I had to say one book, mm-hmm. um, it would be this book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years by Donald Miller, the author that I mentioned earlier. Uh, though it does have some religious tones to it, mm-hmm. I can tell you it has changed my life because it taught me that I can view my life as the opportunity to create memorable moments and to live a compelling story. And all of the things that I've said today during our discussion I think in one way or another can be traced back to some of his ideas. 
So I checked that out. It's called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. He also has a PDF you can download from his website mm-hmm. called How to Tell a Story. It's a brief read, but if you go to his website, storylineblog.com, man, it's a really cool and easy way to understand kind of his philosophy on storytelling. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I will, for the listeners, I will put all the information that Regan has been sharing. It's going to be in the show notes of this episode. You just go to www.timetoshinepodcast.com. Regan, finally, could you share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend to do as daily or weekly as a routine to shine? The most important thing that I do every day is before I do any work, I write at least 750 words. Um, there's a website called 750words.com mm-hmm. that records your writing on a daily basis. And if you think about it, to be a storyteller, to be a speaker, that requires of you to master language. And how else are you going to master mm-hmm. language uh, you know, un- unless you're writing every single day and getting your ideas down. So I think a, a healthy writing practice is one of the most important things you can do. Well, excellent piece of advice and a good, uh, good tip about this website also. Yeah, definitely. If you want to write, you want to communicate either verbally or orally, you have to create and, and write very often, daily, as you said. Well, Regan, thank you very much. This has been a very nice interview with you. A lot of things about storytelling in the movies that I have hardly heard from other people. And definitely I feel, and probably also most of the person in the audience, that we have some uh, like homework to watch some of these movies that you have mentioned. Definitely, I, I feel I have homework to watch many of these. So thanks a lot, Regan. And finally, could you... Tell us how we can learn more about you or follow you. What is the best way? Certainly. Uh, I write on reaganpugh.com. So that's my first and last name, R-E-A-G-A-N-P-U-G-H.com on a weekly basis. And there's also information there on how to book me to speak. Um, that would be the, way, the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, my, my email and social media contact information is all there as well. Well, awesome. Thank you very much, Regan, and all the best. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Oscar. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dear listeners of Time to Shine, this is the end of today's episode. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or for more information, visit our website, www.timetoshinepodcast.com. Welcome to listen to us again next week.